0: My name is David Birch, I am a running coach, some work all play running. I am Matt's coach and started coaching him over a year ago, so early 2018. Yeah, going under four minutes in the mile is, you know, only a few thousand people have done it in human history. It shows a certain amount of of physical talent mixed with mental toughness that puts you in rarefied air and, you know, you, you combine those things and you can do anything.
1: I'm Nike trail athlete, Matt Daniels, and we're gonna talk a little bit about my story from sub four to Western States.
0: Hey, what's going on? Welcome to Training for Ultra. Feel free to check out my new audiobook, Training for Ultra, is now on Audible. For my first race recap of the Bighorn 100, check out the show notes. I put together a YouTube video that will give you the initial kind of race recap, but I plan on a full race recap in an upcoming episode. Thank you to the podcast supporters Hammer Nutrition, Sufferfest Beer, Exoskin, Ultimate Direction. Destination Trail, and of course, my Patreon friends. Thanks for the support.
1: This is um, a fan of yours, and I'm just calling in to express my admiration. It's Dean Carnasis, the Ultra Marathon Man.
0: Hello, listeners. This is Chris Mako, and we are live. And you're listening to Training for Ultra podcast. This is Anime Flynn, and I'm here talking to Training for Ultra podcast. Yeah, it's like really. The, I just need to catch up with Rob. Hundred miles is not that far. I I thought it was oh. a joke actually. It, it is. I thought it was one of your jokes. Yeah, it is a joke. Okay.
1: okay. <laughs> so classic. <laughs>
0: Oh my god, you because literally thing would be like beep, beep, beep. Mother, mother beep, mother, mother beep, beep, mother beep, mother beep, mother, beep, 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 beep. One, two, one, two, three, four. <laughs> Training for Ultra Podcast. I'm Sally McCrae, also known as Yellow Runner.
1: Hey, this is Carl Meltzer, the Speed Goat, and I want to welcome everybody to the Training for Ultra Podcast.
0: And I'm live with Matt Daniels. Welcome to the Training for Ultra Podcast, episode 94. Matt, good to see you again, as always. Good to see you, Rob. Thanks for having me on today. We're, um, we're here on scene at the uh, Runners vs. Boulder. They're kind enough to allow us to record here, so it's pretty nice. The weather outside was kind of sketchy, so I wasn't sure if that would work. Yeah, yeah I had a nice cool front come in today. Yeah. Um, well, I'm excited to dig in and share your story on the podcast. I know a lot of listeners are fans of yours. You've had a tremendous year and you're the focus of um, my upcoming film, Sub 4 to States. Just excited to watch your journey unfold. So thanks again. Let's, let's do a quick shout out to your sponsors.
1: Yes, um, appreciate that. Thank you. Um, Nike Trail is, would be my main sponsor, shoe um, company sponsor. And then we have uh, Unived, which is my nutrition sponsor. And then Little Tree Labs, which is a CBD oil company that I use. Awesome.
0: So, let's start with um, the sub-four component of sub-four to states. I mean, how long have you been running? You've been running from, like, basically when your memory starts? (laughs) Um, Competitively since I was about 11 or 12
1: years old. So, um, I guess depending on how my memory goes, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, uh, yeah, I started competing when I was about 11 and really getting into it uh, with summer track. And that's kind of set the foundation for eventually went in to chase that sub-form in a mile.
0: And where were you running early on?
1: Uh, I grew up in Texas, and so I uh, grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth area, and was on a summer track team uh, in Grapevine, and uh, it's a town just outside of Dallas, and that's where I kind of got my start on the track. And were you
0: naturally gifted? I mean, I know it's kind of a weird question, <laughs> but I mean... Some people can just, having no running background at all, just throw down on the track. I mean, were you seeing results at age 11, or did it take several years to progress?
1: Yeah, I was seeing results right away. Um, I spent a lot of time growing up playing playing sports, and I think that that helped contribute to um, having success right away. I didn't you know, sit in my room and play video games all day. And so, um, yeah, my first mile, uh, competitive mile, I remember I ran 5.03, and uh, from that day forward, I figured I should probably start focusing more on track and field rather than baseball and football and all the other sports I was doing.
0: 5.03 at age 11? I think I was either 11 or had just turned 12. It was that spring, so yeah. I remember talking to you about that, and, <laughs> and the temperature was uh, it was a pretty warm day. Yes, yeah, it had to have been... It was in uh, the track meet in Mineral
1: Wells, Texas, and I remember uh, the heat index was probably, like, I don't know, 112 or 115, hot, hot spring, summer day in Texas, and, uh, yeah, it was... Um,
0: quite the experience. So you were naturally gifted at running. I, I, I agree, so yeah. <laughs> um, and so was your focus from a young age on the track? Is that where you really, you know, were motivated to train towards?
1: Yeah, um, I think you know, growing up there, at that age, there's not really any. Um, I mean, there was a few cross country meets and things like that I could have done, but um, you know, in Texas, the big focus is on, on sprints and relays and, and track, and so. Um, growing up, I thought you know I wanted to give I wanted to be a sprinter and give that a try and um, but found my success early on in, in the mile and one of my best friends growing up was uh, a distance runner too and so um, yeah I kind of stuck to the track and um, yeah and then from there you know when you enter junior high school you start to kind of explore with cross country and that sort of thing.
0: I mean, tell me more. I mean, were you were you having success in middle school and high school as a runner? I mean, were you? Were you focused in on that one-mile distance?
1: Yeah, I I was having success. I wasn't running, especially in middle school, I don't think I was running um, up to the expectations that were kind of set early on uh, with how well I was doing in in elementary school and and things like that. But um, in high school, I I really started running well, and I believe my freshman year of high school, I was able to to qualify for the the regional meet. Um, And At that time, I think only two people leave your, uh, your conference meet or your city meet. And, and make it to regionals, and I had run um, 430 in the mile that, that spring, and um, and then later that summer I did summer track for one last year and was able to run the equivalent of like 415 for the mile. And so, um, yeah, that jump started the high school career. Um, so
0: my freshman sophomore year had a lot of early success. 415 equivalent, and so I assume that's the 1500. Correct, yeah. <laughs> um, so it took you, what? more than a decade to shave off those 15 16 seconds. Um, I mean or to to hit the sub 4.
1: Yeah, that's you know that's the thing when you get it's amazing. Get to a certain level um and and especially at a distance like the mile, you know, every year you just make these tiny little improvements, but um, a Once, half second PR. Second. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A half second PR may seem like, you know, half an hour for an ultra race or something like that. So, yeah, it, I guess you could say it took about a decade to,
0: to shave that time off. That's amazing. And so were you heavily recruited out of high school? Tell me about how that process went. <laughs> yeah, so
1: I was recruited um, pretty heavily out of high school. It was uh, kind of a crazy process. I think at 18 years old, it's, it's a hard decision to make where you're going to spend the next five years of your life, four or five years of your life. And um, I had uh, committed to a few universities and then changed my mind and then settled on uh, going to the University of Oklahoma. And um that lasted all about a semester. It just wasn't a good fit for me. I wasn't enjoying college, and, um, yeah, and then from there, uh, spent some time trying to figure out what I was going to do with life, and that led to the next chapter, so. And, and what did you decide,
0: since college wasn't for <clears throat> you at that moment?
1: So I, um, originally, at the time, I, I, really wanted to go to the University of Arkansas. I left o, OU, and I figured, you know, Arkansas is where I wanted to be. It was one of the schools I'd always wanted to go to, had friends there, Um, So I moved out to Fayetteville and uh, was planning on enrolling in school and starting there that next fall. And uh, the reason it never worked out where I could get on the team, couldn't get released from Oklahoma, Um, I guess, you know, enrolling in classes, there were some issues and things like that. So I bummed around on some friends' couches for a few years and um, trained really, really hard and um, just kind of, yeah, I lived like a a bum for a while, to be honest with you. I had no money and uh, just thought running was everything, and and that led to... uh, burn out really quickly and then I joined
0: the Navy. <laughs> so where were you physically when you were bombing around and, and living and breathing, running, and that was it? Um, like, was your mile time still at that 415? Or were you exploring, you know, 5k, 10k? Yeah. Longer stuff?
1: Or? Um, so I was definitely exploring the longer, longer distances. I had run a few miles, um, a couple of indoor miles, and I think I ran like a downhill mile. I'd run 403 or something like that uh but yeah my my track mile time was like right around 410 411 nothing was really changing too much um but I was definitely um kind of experimenting with some longer races I remember running the USA 20k championships and um you know doing some road 5k's a lot more road running than I had in in the past and um yeah fitness was improving Uh, I just mentally you know wasn't all there I guess
0: and when you say burnout what do you mean like how, how was that part of your life?
1: Yeah, I think um, you know it's tough when you, when you um, when you're living on a friend's couch and you're eating ramen noodles or rice every night for dinner. You're not you know you're not exactly living the lifestyle of a healthy athlete, but you're training like you're an Olympian or you know you're just putting everything into into this one thing like running. And I didn't have any other outlets. I wasn't in school. I didn't have a job. Um, so I think. <laughs> You know, it it led to a lot of little injuries, and those injuries turned into bigger injuries, and then I'd get healthy again, and then we'd go down the same rabbit hole again, and it would just be back and forth for for about two years of that that same thing with, you know, injury and no injury. And um, that eventually just led to me just kind of uh, wondering if it was all worth it and um, not really enjoying the process anymore. And um, yeah, and kind of figuring out, like, what was I really doing with my life.
0: And and tell me about how you found out about the Navy and why you decided to go for that. Yeah. Because it's, it's a big life change from running and eating ramen noodles and sleeping on a couch to uh, the discipline of, you know, the Navy. Right,
1: exactly right. That's kind of what I felt like I needed was some sort of discipline in my life. But, um, yeah, I had moved back home and I was uh, living with the parents for a while and um, just kind of feeling like an idiot. Like, you know, here I was, 21 years old, and, you know, I didn't have a job. I wasn't in school. I was trying to chase this dream that, that wasn't happening. And, you um, I, you know I, I don't know what the exact moment or decision was to, to join the Navy I knew I always it would be I thought it'd be cool to serve the country and go see the world and, and do things like that and I guess um, I figured you know what better time than now to, to go do it and um, see what what can come out of it
0: and, and what did you end up doing like what position um, did you take and Where were you deployed?
1: Yeah, so originally um, going into boot camp, I I had plans to be part of um, like a special ops division. Uh, And so I went through boot camp and um, about halfway through boot camp, they they come to you and they say, you know, there's jobs available. And um, if you take these jobs, you can go, you know, be stationed in this this or that country. And so I jumped on on the moment uh, when I heard Japan was a place I could get a chance to go to. And um, I was in a rush rush division uh, in boot camp. And rush division basically means um, what you normally do in two and a half months of boot camp, you get done in like one and a half. So um, you're kind of doubling up on all your work and that sort of thing. And so I was, you know, I was ready to be out at that point, and I was like, let's let's go experience, you know, uh, what the rest of the world has to offer. And um, so I took the job as a boatswain's mate. And people that are familiar with uh, um, with that job in the Navy, a lot of people associate with chipping paint and scrubbing the decks and yeah that has a lot to do with it but um if you're fortunate enough like i was to get qualifications early um you can be master helmsman and so i I was able to uh, drive the ship for about 12 hours of the day um, and then 12 hours off and 12 hours on 12 hours off and um, it helped we were forward deployed so we're out at sea a lot and um, yeah so that, that was kind of the highlight of my navy career was being on a on you, a ever, driving you ever have like
0: a really bad backseat driver while you're driving <laughs> you're she, uh, Shift shit destroy, destroyer. destroyer yeah um you know there was <laughs> just uh, one guy uh, like i don't know if i
1: should people. say this. so usually you have um you have another guy on watch with you um when you're driving and he's kind of giving giving commands and giving orders and telling you coordinates and this and that and uh there was one time we were coming out of, out of port from, from Thailand, and I think uh, he was a bit hungover and not feeling too well or what we like to call seasick. And uh, it was a lot of me driving driving the ship and holding the trash bag for him and then vice versa for me, you know. So
0: that was an eventful um, 48 hours. You know, we, we've talked about this before, but it sounds like it was such a high-stress environment that you guys had your vices, like your outlets for stress relief. I mean, tell me more about you picking up those habits yeah I, I mean, you had some serious I mean habits that you don't associate with elite night game ultra
1: yeah no you're right um yeah I think uh and, and I don't even know if it I mean it probably started off with um just being more of a social thing like I, I picked up smoking and um and drinking a lot and I think you know when you're traveling a lot to these um foreign countries and um, you're told you have a certain amount of time you can be out and you need to be back you kind of go and take advantage of not being on the ship and so you just go out and enjoy it and blow through all your money on booze and cigarettes and um, and it's not exactly a healthy lifestyle but um, the longer I was in the more kind of stressful I think that the situation got and um, you know the more you, you want to spend time out on the smoke deck to, to pass time rather than you know being in the ship and that sort of thing and so yeah I was up to two two and a half packs a day and um, would, I mean, it, you know, when we were in port, I would go through, I don't know how many um, how many drinks a night, but it wasn't
0: healthy, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, I can't even imagine. How long were you in the Navy for? Only about two and a half years, yeah, I was
1: two out. Half. Um, I got out a little early uh, due to some a situation that happened in the Navy, and I um, was fortunate enough to get all, um, have all my benefits and honorable discharge, and
0: uh, go back to school, so and you, I mean, you said initially you're thinking special ops, like, did you do any of the, the SEAL training, any of the, I'm trying to remember what that week's called, that hell week that yeah. Goggins has described? Yeah. No, I didn't I didn't, um, you didn't, go that route I didn't get to go that route. No, I, I think I uh, opted
1: out early enough to, to not do that. I've always been intrigued and um, wondering, you know, what would have happened if, if I would have went, went down that route. And who knows if I would have even fully made it, you know, such a small percentage of people make it all the way through that and get to that point. But, um,
0: yeah, you know. <laughs> we, we have a special ops. We need you to run one mile from here to here. <laughs> yeah, that was all it was about. That would be one thing. <laughs> yeah. And not many people you can call in for that one to do it fast, Right. Um, and so, yeah, you had your, your two and a half years. Um, you had some ops. I mean, tell me about exiting the Navy. I mean, how, how did that go? I mean, where were you? Um, physically, mentally, emotionally.
1: Yeah, I think physically, mentally, and emotionally—probably the lowest point in my entire life. To be honest with you, um, like I said, you know, we—I had some a situation when I was in that, um, you know, for the privacy of other people who may be listening, I probably don't want to get too much detail with. But um, yeah, it, it, um, it hit home. It was a really dark place in my life, and um, when I was going through the, um, the discharge, I you know was going through a series of seeing a couple different doctors battling depression wasn't sleeping much wasn't eating much resorting to smoking up to you know like i said almost three packs a day and drinking every single day and um yeah wasn't wasn't exercising one bit and that was kind of the one um big factor and change for me was um, my doctor kind of suggested find find a hobby find something like exercise or something to to keep you distracted and um you know to work through and something to do other than just sit around and and think about what has happened and so um i picked up running again and yeah it all kind of came back really quickly you know it was uh i never never lost touch with, with the running and i mean that feels phenomenal
0: like. i've i've heard of runners like getting injured and coming back stronger um but not oozing up and smoking <laughs> uh that many cigarettes and then coming back so how was that first run or two mm. Was, um, <laughs> it, was it like starting from the ground up and then somehow you had, I mean, you can lean on natural gift almost? or?
1: Yeah, I remember um, not, I I didn't even have any tennis shoes anymore. I was just, all I had in my uh, in my racket um, on the ship was, because uh, I was still on the ship at this point before I was leaving Japan when I picked up running again and seen the doctor. And um, I remember all I had was, uh, my my boots. And so I went to the commissary and bought a pair of tennis shoes. The Kinvara had just came out. And so the the Saucony Kinvara was my first uh, pair of running shoes to get back into it. And uh, I remember buying those and going for a run. I told myself, okay, go for a mile and a half. Like, I know you can do that because that's what you had to do in PT a couple years ago. Like, you can at least do that. And man, I made it like five minutes before I thought I was going to (laughs) die. But it was also very relieving. Like, I, I felt very like free and open. And um, excited to get back into running again, and um, yeah, it was like I don't know, maybe four days later, I just I felt like an elite athlete again. I was out. I think I did maybe like a five k uh, run by myself, and I, you know, I wasn't going all out or anything, but I remember running under under seventeen minutes on it, and thinking like, okay, I, it's coming back really quickly, and um, maybe I'll you know see how fast I can get back in shape. So,
0: and I mean. So you found your outlet mm-hmm. to help with depression. I assume the endorphins were helping the situation, and then your sleep pattern probably got better, and so running was really helping bring you out of this low, dark place.
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, I think more than anything, I, I was getting the itch to train again. And, um, I, you know, when you're starting to run, you know, I think at the time I was only probably doing 40 or 50 miles a week again, but... Um, you can't sustain 40 or 50 miles a week without eating a lot. And so then my eating habits started to pick back up. I was getting tired from training. I was sleeping more. I was just more at peace with uh, where life was. And um, yeah, and being able to run again, I think I've always kind of come back to that uh, anytime something in life has happened. And uh, yeah, it was a good feeling.
0: And so did you start getting, I don't know, this, the urgency or desire to like set an audacious goal for yourself? Like probably on that fourth run, were you already toying with what you were going to sign up for or was it, did it take a few months or even years to yeah. start thinking down that path?
1: It, it took a while. I mean, so that was, that had to have been um, trying to think probably the end of the year, um, the end of 2010, beginning of 2011 and uh, or I guess the end of 2010. And I, I really didn't have any like plans to do any races or anything. I I did when I I got back home. I jumped into a 5K for fun and didn't go didn't go very well. And um, it wasn't until uh, I got a phone call from the coach at Adams State that really kind of made me think. Okay, let's let's see where I can go with this running. He he really motivated me and um, kind of got me excited about running fast times again, and being a part of a team, and that sort of thing.
0: How did how'd that call go? <laughs> it was Were funny, really Coach. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I've been smoking like. Were you upfront, or did you? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was he actually. Knew, he knew what he was getting himself into.
1: I don't know if he fully <laughs> knew, but I remember when when I got the phone call. I was actually, because I hadn't, I wasn't able to, to kick the the smoking and drinking just yet. I was still um, trying to stop, but I was very much still smoking and drinking. And I remember sitting on my back porch when I got the phone call, and um, he, you know, he asked like, you know let me give you a chance like will you you come run for me at Adams State and I was like coach like I'm really not fit I'm still actually smoking and drinking right now like you know it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a long road and he was like just give me a chance and we'll make it happen and um, yeah I went all in I I packed my car and drove uh, up to Alamosa, Colorado uh, the next month and yeah it was uh, it's been all running since.
0: (laughs) And so how long were you at Adams and yeah how did you progress from smoking and drinking on the call with your your recruitment (laughs) to then you know having some success at Adams obviously
1: yeah the um, so I was at Adams for four years and um, yeah I got onto campus and I had been training that whole summer kind of trying to get back in shape to get to get ready for school and I got on campus and we had a eight mile time trial every year to see who ma- who can make the team, and I was so worried I was not going to make the team, and um, with like I don't know how in the world it happened, but I had like the run of my life and was able to to make the team, and I was one of the top uh, twelve guys in, in on the time trial, and um, yeah, and it wasn't. I mean, I, so before that, I, I think you know, like I said, I was running seventeen minutes for five k, which for me wasn't wasn't very fast. At, you know at the time it was. Um, and then later that spring, I was able to run 13.50 for the 5K, and um, yeah, so it was a really quick progression, just with a little bit of uh, help from Coach Martin and Adams.
0: Human body's amazing. It's incredible. <laughs> we we put our, our bodies through so much, and they still are able to bounce back. And I think, um, man, you're an example of that for sure. Yeah. In fact, two and a half down years, and then be able to rebound. And so. Tell me about the day before you ran sub four. (laughs) Yeah. How'd how'd that day go, and then I want to hear more about your sub four.
1: Sure. Uh, The day before was interesting, so um, if anybody's uh, not familiar with Collegiate Track and Field, we were at the uh, Husky Invite in Seattle, and that's where I I, um, was set to to run a 5k that that night, the night before I broke four, actually. and I was only planning on, planning on running the 5K at this meet, and we, I was really fit, and we were ready to go, and um, the race just didn't pan out. I think the winning time was a lot slower than what we had hoped it was gonna be. I, I ran you know, probably 20 or 30 seconds slower than what I wanted to. It was 13.50 something is what we were in for 5K, but I thought I was in you know, 13.30 shape. And um, yeah, And so I thought, okay, well, it's kind of a bummer, I guess I'll hop on the plane in the morning, and that's that, and we'll start training and getting ready for nationals. and. Um, I remember Coach Martin saying, "Hey, we're you know we're gonna stay one more day, and you're gonna run in the all-comers meet tomorrow. I'm gonna set, get a mile set up, and uh, we're gonna try and go after uh, a sub in minute mile, and you know, see if that's possible right now." And I was like, "All right, like let's you know let's go for it. Let's let's see him." Um, so went quickly from being disappointed to being really nervous and excited, and um, yeah, that that next morning I woke up to a text message from my coach, and he said, "You know today's as good as any." And um, I remember just a load of confidence um coming over me and uh getting to that track that afternoon and
0: um yeah just felt like nothing was gonna was gonna stop me (laughs) so when you run a sub four minute mile what what have been your weekly training regimen like have you were you um like what kind of miles were you putting in and what kind of faster efforts during that week how do you train for
1: that fast of a race? So, I mean, that happened my senior year. So I I would say, to be honest, a lot of the training was probably accumulation of the three years prior. Um, But um, that year in particular, I was actually planning on being in shape to try and win 10K at Outdoor Nationals. So the focus wasn't even on on the mile that year. year. That's why I was running the 5K at the Husky Invite instead of the the mile to begin with. And um, I hadn't really tapped into too much um, speed training that year you know I'd really done a lot in the past few years before but um, we were really heavily aerobically focused um, to get ready for the 10k for outdoors and so it was just by chance that uh, you know I, I was still showing the speed that I had and workouts and stuff and I guess coach thought you know let's go for the opportunity to, to break four we have it in front of us so. so were you running
0: more than 100 miles a week
1: um yeah was, I was probably averaging between 90 and 130 on any given week it just wow. kind of depended on and, you know, a lot of this was at 7,500 feet, too, so um, Jeez. a lot of it was a little bit slower effort for, you know, for your easy runs and things like that, but we really would get after it on our tech
0: workouts. And so, Dave, the race, I mean, you're at the start line. What, what's going through your head? Like, you're, st- you're amped up from that text message. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was really amped,
1: <laughs> and it's really funny you ask that because... Um, so the, I remember the race was scheduled to go off at, at 12.20 in the afternoon, and something had happened with the scheduling, and um, we we started warming up around, you know, 11.30 and getting ready and doing our strides, and we were ready to go at 12.20, and they decided to postpone the meet for an hour, and so I had to, we were basically sitting around doing strides, and, you know, we were already warmed up, so for like two hours, you know, before the race even started, so it wasn't ideal, um, but... Uh, yeah you know it's still kind of it's a blur to look back on because that was such an incredible day but um i just remember not even being too worried or anything about having that that added time and um when the gun went off i just settled in and remember nothing you know not any point in the race that i feel like i was really having a hard time until probably that last 250 300 meters where you're just filled with lactic acid, and yeah. trying to buffer through that, so.
0: So you can make it almost three loops um, until it gets rough. That yeah. fourth, fourth lap is when things get ugly, is that Yeah, right? and we were on an indoor track, so it was a little bit,
1: the track was a little bit shorter, I can't remember, it was a 300 meter track, so I can't really remember, I don't know, how many laps to the mile or whatever, but um, I remember about, um, you know, that last lap was, or really the last half of the last lap, so... You know, 150 to 200 meters was uh, that was that was like right then I remember thinking okay just you know hold on hold on like you can do it because we were paced perfectly I think we were um, uh, I don't know 158 at 800 or 157 or 158 at 800 and so we had you know we had time on the on the clock if, if things got rough the last 400 but luckily <laughs> you had a
0: guy in front of you mm-hmm. which I thought man if if you had no one in front of you you I don't know how you would chase that last part but you saw him it seemed like from the video i watched yeah um that might have helped pull you through a little bit having a rabbit to to chase there and
1: absolutely yeah um i was fortunate enough to be racing isaac yorks um who's an incredible athlete i think he's run low 350s for the mile now um since that race and um yeah i just i remember um you know, he was he was in front of me, and I remember seeing him kind of starting to come back a little bit. He was tying up too. We were both just like, you know, trying to make it to the finish. And uh, I'm, at one point, my coach was just screaming like, "You have to dig! You have to dig!" And um, and he said, "If you dig, you can get him. If you dig, you can get him." And you know, I think he was probably a little bit too far ahead. If the race was a little longer, maybe. But who knows? You know. Um, but maybe it did if, ha-
0: it was, if it was 100k, yeah, yeah, maybe if it was 100k.
1: Um, but uh, yeah, having him up up front definitely helped. Uh, so, Chase do you recommend
0: mind. for the listener that's going after that super quick mile to do a fast 5k effort the day before? <laughs> it, like, did you feel any muscle fatigue like day of? Um, I, you it's know, sort of shocking to me. <laughs> I would think you'd taper differently, but yeah,
1: it, it's definitely not suggested. <laughs> um, but I was in the shape of my life at the time, and, um, and uh, you know, maybe if the, the 5K the night before had panned out to where I ran to my potential fitness, I would have felt a little differently, but for me, the race was so slow, and I, and I know it seems so silly, but um, at that level, 20 or 30 seconds slower than what you're capable of running feels like a walk in the park, and so I remember thinking, like, that day, like, you know, I think I had a little bit of Achilles soreness, but nothing Nothing yeah. too major. Yeah, I was just excited to get get
0: another opportunity. So, how the heck did you get into ultra running? You you're one of the rare that ran at three fifty nine. Um, there's only what less than probably fourteen hundred people ever to run sub four. Yeah, I think so. Um, what are you doing in ultra running? <laughs> um, yeah, that's a great question.
1: <laughs> um, I, I guess you you're gonna have to kind of go all the way back to. Um, getting my post-collegiate start, I had moved out to Boulder and started training with Brad Hudson. And, um, yeah, I I was able to qualify for the Olympic trials in the marathon. And um, I guess long story short, the the Olympic trials didn't go very well. And um, I was kind of burned out from a really hard year of road running and and track racing and wanted to do something different and new. And um, my roommate at the time, Andy Wacker, and one of uh, my good friends, Hayden Hawks, and I we all decided and Addie Bracey actually, I don't know if you um for those listening to know her, but um she's been on Rob's show as well. But um uh we all went out to the US mountain running champs in Loon Mountain in New Hampshire and um we all qualified for the world team that year and um even though it wasn't an ultra distance, it kinda got me excited about trail running and uh yeah, I did. I just um fell in love with the sport and hadn't really looked back from there and uh decided I wanted to to give these ultra distances a try, and uh, I've always been inspired by people doing amazing things at those distances, and um, yeah, it just kind of went from there. (laughs) And so how
0: how did Worlds go?
1: Worlds was awesome. It was a really good experience. I had a pretty rough race, but our team was able to win the first ever gold medal for USA at at Worlds, and um, that was an amazing thing to be a part of and really, really cool, and I think that 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 is part of the reason why I fell in love with the trails
0: and how did you follow up that race i mean i'm trying to remember what year that was yes
1: yeah, so that was 2016 okay yeah um yeah i kind of had uh a da- I, well actually after worlds i decided i was done running i I, ret- I basically retired i um went on a trip with uh with aiden and uh, or hayden and andy and um we went to Athens, Greece, and. I remember just sitting on the beach, drinking a beer, being completely content with my running career. Like, you know, I finally made a world team, I'd broken four in the mile, and um, yeah, uh, I was getting over a bad relationship, and um, yeah, and then uh, it wasn't a few months later, I got the itch again, and uh, fighting some depression stuff actually again, and um, found myself running and training for ultras after that.
0: Nice. Thanks for the plug. So you you fell back on running as your outlet so that you didn't have those other outlets kind of take over your life again? Is that your logic? Like, were you... Was it, like, on a subconscious level at that point where you knew that's what you needed Um, to balance things out?
1: I wish I could say it was. So I had actually... I was in Boulder and then moved back home um, because I just wasn't in a good spot. I knew I needed to be around family and stuff. And, um, yeah, I was... uh, I picked up drinking again, and um, I wasn't smoking at the time, but I was, I was chewing again. it's another thing in the Navy—you pick up bad habits. You, you chew a lot of tobacco to stay awake and stuff. But um, I remember watching a YouTube video of, of Hayden and Zach Miller um, uh, dueling it out at North Base, and it got me like really excited for some reason. I wasn't running at the time, and I watched that video, and I text Hayden, and I was like, "Wow, dude!" Like. That was awesome. I know it was a month ago, but I'm just watching it. That was awesome. Went out my door and started running again. and yeah, I Did you sign up for
0: the North Face like that day when you <laughs> <watched> that <video? laughs> not, not
1: that day. It wasn't until after I uh, I ran my first 50K and got got yeah, the qualifying time so for the elite field before I signed
0: up. <laughs> so you, you watched Hayden Hawks, Hawks versus Miller, Miller versus Hawks, and got all amped up and that got you back into things. It did. Um, and so this is what, right around the beginning of 2017? Correct, yeah. Was this when that Lauren girl kind of worked into the picture? She seems like a bad influence on you. <laughs> yeah, so Lauren's my wife, by the way. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, and she's been a great influence. But, um, yeah, it was around that time I, I had met her and, um, I was actually, uh, was part of the reason, um, I guess moving back to, to Colorado and, um, along with running and training and yeah um, I put in uh, a resume to try and uh, be on another world team and uh, got selected for the world long-distance mountain championships and uh, then I just started you know all in with training again so
0: when did you live? when did you guys move to Hawaii where, where did yeah. that work into the picture I'm trying to recall sure
1: um so I moved back to Boulder Uh,
0: January and we moved to Hawaii in April so a lot of moving around for me Okay. yeah and and so how was training in Hawaii I mean it's beautiful I would love hanging out on the beaches but I mean the Hurt 100 is notorious like (laughs) I can't imagine it being plush training conditions but I mean what what was it like yeah it was it was rough to say the least especially
1: um, you know training for ultra marathons and mountain races the heat is one thing, but it's a whole other um, issue when when the majority of your training is on lava rock and, and that sort of thing. There there are trails, but a lot of them are overgrown, and uh, a lot of it's not public land that you're technically supposed to be on, and so, yeah, I, sh- I definitely struggle with training while I was there. I um, frequent d- did uh, Mauna Kea a lot, um, which is a big mountain on, on the big island where I lived, and um, yeah, it, it goes up to almost 14,000 feet, so I could get in some altitude training. but. Uh, conditions were never that great on it and so
0: yeah it's a tough place to train definitely uh, hardens you yeah i just i'm thinking like kona iron man like <laughs> yeah. every every race that i know of that's in hawaii is not an easy race right um and so what inspired you to go after that first 50k and become an ultra runner
1: yeah i think um i just i was looking for the next step with trail running and um I don't really know, I, I guess, you know, looking back at that that film of Hayden and Zach um, was the inspiration or if it was something else, but, I, um, yeah, I signed up for 50K out in Oregon called uh, Flagline 50K in Bend, and, um, yeah, I was able to have some success there and run a pretty decent time, and I think uh, that's when Nike was able to kind of take notice, and uh, that's what jump-started the, the ultra career. <laughs> Did you contact them ahead of time? No, and I say, didn't. Like, yeah. hey, guys. <laughs> i um, coming at that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I was fortunate. One of my um, good friends and the guy who was actually helping coaching me at the time, uh, Kenyon Newman, was uh, the Nike rep here in, in Boulder, and he grew up in Oregon. And uh, one of his uh, good friends works for Nike and that sort of thing. And so they were out there already for the race. I think they were sponsoring the Flagline race, so they're out there with the Winnebago and all that fun stuff. And um, just got to hang out with them all weekend. And um, yeah, and t- they took notice, I suppose. <laughs> how did how did the rest of seventeen go? Not good. Yeah, it was a pretty rough year, I think. So, between that race, um, that was probably my only decent race. I um, ran horrible out at Sierras and all. I ran horrible at the World Mountain Running Champs. Um, yeah. what, what was going on? Well, I think what, a lot of it... Overtraining, I, um I don't know if it was overtraining as much as it was. The, the travel from Hawaii to any of these races, especially in Europe, like Sierras and all, and the World Champs was really tough. I mean, you're looking at 36 hours of of travel with layovers and that sort of thing and so I, I don't do very well with travel to begin with and um and I think that that played a, a big influence the world champs I was really sick I think Sierra's and all, I was just tired and burned out and um you know I'm, I'm in a new relationship and falling in love I was also newly engaged with her and so being away from her wasn't fun and you know I, I was just um struggling on all levels <laughs> pretty much uh, minus that 50k
0: so you you pop the question I mean that's that's big. So your yeah. your mind's elsewhere. I mean, you're that's that's amazing um, that you're you're growing in that respect. Mm-hmm. But then in terms of running, it may have lost focus a little bit. And then you got sick. Was that the worlds where you got really sick on the flight over? Yep. Yeah. yeah. When, so. when you were just. And a rough, <laughs> rough go at it uh, according to Addie Brady. <laughs> yeah. yeah she'll she'll bring it up because uh,
1: she beat me at Worlds and so did the rest <laughs> of our women's team um, but uh, yeah I, I, um, there's a lot of stuff going on in, in life and um, I was really kind of shocked that uh, in December that year so after after all the races and everything I had gotten a, uh, an email from Nike saying like you know we're interested and and that got me excited and kind of out of this funk that I was in. And Cool. Um, yeah, and then we decided, you know, Hawaii wasn't going to be the best place to train. And my wife wasn't really, or fiance at the time, wasn't really enjoying her her job out there. And so after six months of being in Hawaii, we decided to uh, pack up and move back to Boulder.
0: <laughs> nice. And I'm assuming, having watched that video, you signed up for the North Face 50-miler at the end of 17. mm mm-hmm. um, how did that race go? Because I feel like uh, that was that was kind of the first time I had seen you on social media pop up. Um, what happened during that race?
1: Yeah, it was it was going great until it wasn't. <laughs> um, famous saying there. It was, I, uh, I I guess I thought I was prepared, but I wasn't fully ready for what fifty miles was all about, and especially that course with that competition. And um, yeah, I went out like a bat out of hell, and I think I was leading through. Uh, the first main aid station in Tennessee Valley which is right around 13 or 14 miles and um, feeling good and feeling awesome not really feeling like I should be and all that caught up to me at like mile 28 and uh, should hit the band for sure like I just I could not keep it together legs were cramping couldn't hold anything down um, you know it's just your typical um, like full blown bonk for, for an ultra marathon and I experienced it
0: really bad and dropped out at like 36 miles Okay. Yeah. I I, I remember discussing that with you, and you dropped a four forty-five or something downhill. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it was suicide. um, Like Hill might have been there with the camera, but just couldn't keep up (laughs) with you uh, on that one. But that's—I think it's cool. I mean, leading the North Face fifty miler for twenty miles or whatever it was. Like, um, I remember just seeing updates. Yeah. And there were a few mentions, like i yeah, not sure exactly about his background but um and so following that race and that blow up I mean it sounds like you learned how to fuel at a minimum mm-hmm. um when does western states come on the radar? That night actually um
1: after that race and I know that sounds really cliche and goofy but uh I was uh in the hotel room after that race and it had to have been nine nine thirty at night and just laying in bed just totally wrecked thinking like my world's over blah 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 you know just having a pity party and and um my phone rang and Hayden it was Hayden calling me and uh he I think he took third that year and um I think he wanted to do a little better so he had a rough race for him still really really good loaded race you know and he said hey like I know you're not happy don't do not give up like Tim dropped out of his first 50 and he just won today like um, and he just started spouting off all these names and all these great things that all these runners had done that had a rough go in their first, you know, big ultra and, um, after that I was, after that phone call I hung up just super excited and telling my wife I want to be the first you know, sub four minute miler to win a major hundred and, um, I don't know if it was Western that was, I mean Western was definitely on the, on my mind but, you know, there was, you know, I was thinking like oh, it'd be cool to, to win Leadville or any of these big, big hundreds and, uh, and yeah, it just kind of, it's always been in the back of my head but, um it's gonna be, you know, it's a it's a
0: slow process for sure. But you you started off 18 with um, I mean, tell me about 2018. I guess what what's kind of the highlight when you look back? Um, I think working with a new coach. Um, you know,
1: I, I had some some good races and I didn't really race a whole whole lot, but I had uh, I had a new coach in, in David Roach and he just completely changed my mentality and and set set a different tone for what was ahead for me. And um, a lot of that was looking at the long-term plan and not getting too excited and, and jump the gun too early with, with what I wanted to race and what I wanted to train for. And um, yeah, so that that was definitely the highlight. Um, a lot of it was spent training. I had another world championships that didn't go very well, but um, the ultra stuff was starting to really click. And uh, yeah, I think I ended the year um, running a 318 50K out, out in California. And that's when I, I decided, okay, I can do this uh, these longer races and and feel good and you know I had the feeling dialed in and the mentality so so.
0: you're sitting there December of 17 and you get that call from Hayden Mm -hmm. and you're now lining up for western states I don't want to jump the gun too much and it's mid 19 so this has been a year and a half in the making Mm -hmm. and it's not like you're starting off with like no base level fitness you you were elite and you've Focused for a year and a half on this, right. essentially. And David Roach sounds like he's giving you great perspective, and it seems like the two of you just click. Yeah, really well, definitely. Right out of the gates in '19, mm-hmm. like six days in or whatever, um, at Bandera, going after a golden ticket. out It seems like I'm on running Western States this year. Yeah, um, which is great. I think. I love uh, it. <laughs> yeah, we
1: uh, David and I had had the idea of doing 100k this year, um, but not really having the focus be on qualifying for Western or it was more, you know, the golden ticket races are the ones where there's competition and and they're the ones that are fun to go and try and do well at because anytime you can run well competition, it it looks good and um, so yeah, we went out to Bandera and that didn't really turn out too well with uh, (laughs) the unfortunate um, tragedy of hitting my head on a tree, but uh, yeah, after that race, like, I, you know, I fell in love with, even though it was a, it was a bad experience from, from the accident, I still fell in love with the process of what it takes to be good at 50-plus miles. And I started, that's when I started thinking about Western States and really wanting to do it. Um, David kept telling me, like, let's not, you know, let's not make that the focus. I don't even want you to take the golden ticket yet. If you if you get it, we'll talk about it after the race. And um, I was I was okay with it. Like, I was... Completely at peace with it. I know, two, three, four, or five years from now, I want to keep coming back and being able to get, get these golden tickets and run run a really fast one hundred. Um, but uh, yeah, and then Black Canyon's turned out really well, and I was super amped, and uh, I think David was too. And we thought
0: now's as good a time as any to experience what Western States is all about. <laughs> I mean, the course too seems like it's similar to Western States in terms of like the surface and whatnot. Um, I distinctly remember lining up for the start at Black Canyon, and having a, a Nike Elite guy pull me over to say hi, which my mind was totally blown. Um, and I was excited to see you out there, and I, I knew you could, you know, you had podium potential. But when I was halfway through the race and saw you screaming up a hill, which was a pretty big climb, yeah. You know, in, in the competition at Black Canyon, 100K was, I mean, the whole course was rerouted. We, we don't need to get in all that right. stuff. But the level of competition was there. A mm-hmm. um, bunch of the Coconino Cowboys. Um, I'm trying to recall exactly who else was there. Yeah, Max King. Max King, yeah. Dakota Jones. Yeah. There were some serious ultra runners. Like, if you're looking for competition, um, there it was. And you just knocked them cover off ball like it was just ridiculous you didn't have any crew no one helping you with drop bags i think they even lost a few yeah. of your drop bags yeah. like talk <laughs> about a fueling plan for an elite guy when you don't even have your gels that you're looking for or whatever right um i mean how much confidence did you, set it? you ran a 722 i think it was yeah i think 7
1: 720 or 722 something around there
0: um How much confidence did that give you, and how did you convince David Roach to let you accept that golden ticket? Or how'd that process? Yeah,
1: um, it uh, gave me a lot of confidence. It, I think, um, the most confidence it gave me was the fact that uh, I knew I I could finish that distance. Um, Because before that, I haven't, I hadn't finished a race over 50k. Um, So, just finished a race, doubled that, won it, and won it by 20 minutes, and felt amazing the entire time. I was like, okay you know you can have good days and you can get through a hundred miler like I know you can it's, it's 40 more miles but um, even if, you know you can do the distance I, we know that now so um, yeah there's a lot of confidence with that and you know that's like with any ultra race there's going to be things that that, that go wrong um, like you said like couldn't, I couldn't find my drop bag lost some time there and um, yeah I didn't have proper nutrition for the entire race but um, the fact that I was able to kind of um, make do with what I had and, and Uh, Manage things on the fly really helped instill this uh, feeling of like I can I can take care of anything, bring it on, and um, that's what's most exciting about going into a race like
0: Western States. We won't talk about your other course records for the year so far. Um, Let's focus on states. Okay. Who's Who's on your crew this year? Um, How did you make that choice?
1: Yeah, I have an awesome crew. so my crew chief, if you will, um, will be Joshua Stevens. For anybody that's not familiar with him, he's a, a badass ultra runner. He's, he's doing Badwater and Leadville this year. It's in the same year, it's just a month apart. Um, ex-special ops guys in the Army, just the um, type of guy that'll, you know, be there for you no matter what. And, um, yeah, I chose him because we have an awesome friendship. His, his outlook and positivity is next to none. Um, and, you know, he has military background, so we relate to a lot of things. Um, and then I'll have Hayden Hawks, um, who's been there with me through it all. he's a good friend, and he'll be there to pace me, probably from uh, somewhere around the river to the finish, so I, like last 15 or 20 miles. And um, and then uh, my family's coming out, so my mom and dad, and then um, my wife Lauren, and my best friend Chris from uh, from Texas. And then we got you'll be there as well. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. super excited about That'd it. Be awesome.
0: Um, with Joshua, are you concerned about? Him being army and, and you being navy—is he gonna? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. He's the nicest guy in the no,
1: world. No, we like to jostle uh, back and forth together about that a lot, and uh, at the end of the day, he always has me on that just because of what what he took care of when he was enlisted. So.
0: So who do you have your eyes on? I mean, Jim Wamsley is clearly—you've been compared to him by very well-respected people in ultra running. Mm-hmm. Um, what? Have you walked through scenarios like if you're 30 minutes behind Jim Walmsley at mile X? I mean, are you just going to run your own race? I mean,
1: yeah. Um,
0: walk me through who you're watching. I mean, that's the
1: that's the thing about Western states is you you can't rule anybody out. Um, there's so many different variables, and that race goes different depending on how the weather is or the snow up high, or you know, that's one thing that that's changed a lot with Western States is now there's the Walmsley factor and I talked a little bit with uh, Craig Thornsley, um, the Western States uh, race director a little bit about this and I was like, you know, what, is it, what does it take to win Western now? And I said, do you let Jim go or do you go with him? And the general consensus was um, you kind of have to take that risk and um, contemplate suicide and, and go go with Jim and hope that either one of you, you know, that either he blows up or you, and you don't blow up or you both blow up or you know or you both have the race of your life and um for me this year I don't know if I'm quite ready for that step yet and so I'm, I'm very much going to run my own race and just kind of I'm going to more or less fuel it out as as we go along um I don't I don't really like to go into ultras with too big of a, a race plan just because so many different things can happen I don't think I thought once about the plan for black canyons I just kind of rolled with it depending on how I felt and um of course there's things I'm going to you know want to do like you know, hike a lot of the climbs in the canyon, stay cool. You know, things like that. But um, that I've planned. But in terms of um, pacing and who I'm going to focus on, uh, I'll just kind of let the race play out. I think and hope hope I have legs for the last you know 15 or 20 miles because that's that's my butter. Those trails are awesome.
0: <laughs> I like the uh, Prefontaine reference too, with talking about Jim because that's yeah essentially how he approaches a 100 mile distance. Um, who are you excited about within the female field? oh man me. it is
1: it's awesome <laughs> uh, yeah i'm of course going to be rooting for my nike teammates um like i said at, earlier in the, in the podcast Addie's a, a really good friend of mine so i hope you know she has the race of her life but uh, you know that's the really cool thing about this whole process and, and going to the training camps and getting to talk to other athletes at other races i've gotten to become really good friends with um people like casey and um, lucy Bartholomew. i got to know really well at the, at the camp and um yeah it's, it's Claire could Claire yeah an, I just ran with Claire yeah. last weekend and yeah. I don't know how anybody's gonna beat her or, like it's just I, um <laughs> I think
0: Casey's peeking out I mean yeah. Addie just seeing her in person at uh, Quad Rock mm-hmm. win that she took third overall like outright. right yeah unbelievable <laughs> like Quad Rock is uh, a pretty good benchmark going in the States um How's heat training going to affect people this year? Because it is that kind of weird off year. Yeah. It'll still get hot, right? Yeah. You know, I I don't
1: know exactly how how the weather is going to play out. I, I've heard rumors that they're expecting a cooler weekend now, but you know, still highs in the lower nineties uh, in Auburn. But um, you know, I, I, it's hard to say because uh, you look at people like like Courtney last year who. Um, I like how we didn't even mention. Courtney. Yeah, yeah. That's another thing. There's Courtney as well. So many people. <laughs> um, You know she she did heat training for one or two days in the sauna and and nearly passed out and said um she was done heat training and so she didn't heat train at all for western last year and went out and ran the second fastest all time on that course and so it's different for everybody everyone handles it a little bit differently um i kind of had a very similar courtney experience this year and i was i did the sauna for three days and um actually was in there with with mako um um, two weeks ago, and passed out. And after that, I haven't done any heat training since then because I feel like it was more detrimental than it was good. So, we'll see. You know, I, um, yeah. that's the thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's fascinating. I mean, it, it's weird to me the timing of it all. Um, how it had—it's almost an art form, but there yeah. are protocols and all that stuff. For sure. Um, so, what are what are you most concerned about going into states? Is there something? Um, is there a section in the trail that you're like, oh, my gosh, I have to nail this? What are you most excited about? Um, and let me warn the uh, listener, there is a beauty of starting a film on the track and ending <laughs> a film on the track. So, I mean, what, what are you nervous about?
1: Um, I think I'm I'm most, I don't really want to say nervous, but I'm anxious to get going. But I guess if there is one thing I'm kind of... Uh... It's in the back of my head. It's just the full distance, covering a hundred miles. You know, it's unknown territory for me. I, I got to talk to um, to Scott Jerk uh, a couple of days ago, and he said, you know, respect the distance. Like that was, he repeated that probably four times to me, and, um, and that really hit home because uh, I think you can get away with not really having to respect the distance at hundred k or fifty k or fifty miler, but you know, it's forty more miles than I've ever ran, and so what that's going to require is me to be really, really patient throughout the first half uh patient with my fueling you know eating a lot and taking in fluids and that sort of thing uh but it also you know that makes me really excited because my favorite part of the course was the last 40 miles so um i think just getting to that point ready to race and run um will be are you you ready
0: to eat when you don't want to eat because i think that's like the hardest part of super long distances is when every everything in your body is saying no food right now I don't want to eat but that is the solution a lot of times yeah like, definitely you have to be a master at hydration too like are you are you prepared to eat that gel when like <laughs> it's the last thing you ever want I think so
1: um you know that that's one reason for having the crew I have I, I know my wife Lauren's gonna just yeah. you know stuff food in my face if I don't want it and um, and that's one you know Josh and Hayden are two guys that are not gonna um, they're not gonna let me stop for one. I don't think, unless I'm literally dying. <laughs> or, um, you know, they're gonna they're gonna make sure I stay on top of what I need to stay on top of. They're both experienced guys. They've been through the bonks and experienced, you know, the distance and everything before. So, um, you know, if anything, uh, I can lay on the side of the trail in the sand, and they'll just be stuffing food in my face, whether I like it or not. I think.
0: <laughs> what What are you most excited about?
1: I uh, the atmosphere and just getting there and being being with everybody again and um, just experiencing everything Western States is all about. Uh, it has an incredible history and, and aura about it that is unexplainable until you're around it. And uh, I got a little glimpse of that when I was, was in Auburn for the training camp and I can't wait to get back there for that.
0: Um, what are your expectations on yourself? Like, it's one thing to talk to David and be like, yeah, we're on the two or three year yeah. plan, but like gun goes off and the media circus because uh, <laughs> right. every year it just keeps growing and everyone wants to share each other's stories and there's going to be just it could be a whole podcast just yeah um all the press that will be out there how do you stay disciplined i mean kind of what what are your expectations on yourself i think um you know everybody that that
1: is an elite in that race and starts wants to finish in top 10 so they can come back the next year without having to (laughs) fight their way back through a golden ticket or whatever other outlets there are but um so if i said that wasn't in the back of my head i'd I'd be lying um that's definitely a goal and um something i hope i can get done but i'm also like really content with knowing that um you know like everything david's preached like it's going to be um, it's going to be a, a plan. Like let's let's build a dynasty. Let's not make it a one-year and, and done sort of thing. Like let's go back and and keep doing this. And who knows how this year is going to turn out. But uh, I think I'm really prepared for kind of whatever happens. Like if I'm if I'm chasing cutoffs at the end of this race, awesome. As long as I'm enjoying enjoying this weekend and, and this race, and so I can come back the next year and really be fired up and and uh, ready to run
0: it. mean, do you do you think you're capable? Of if you have a good day, of, of, and I don't want to make this you versus Jim because sure, there, there's 20 guys out there that all have the capability of having a great day, mm-hmm. um, and it only takes a handful. Um, but let's just say Jim has like a typical, a typical day. I don't know. Maybe it's not the, you know, last year's 14:30 or whatever it was, but. Are you confident that you can run next to someone of that caliber for 100 miles? Yeah, you know, like do um, you believe
1: it? I, I I believe I can. I know, like, I have no doubts I can. It's just, um, does everything come together on on that on that day? And um, you know, it, it's gotta be everything's gotta be perfect. Like kind of how Black Canyons, well, even Black Canyons, there when things great, but you gotta be feeling perfect for for something like that to happen. The, the thing with Jim is he. It took him three times, and he, and he nailed it that, that last time. And uh, he has the experience now. I mean, Jim knows every single inch of that course, and um, this is my first time running Western and my first time running a race over 100K too. So there's this unknown unknown territory. So I don't want really to like get too far ahead of myself as well. But um, I'd like to to think like if everything goes right, and, and um, I had the day of my life, I, I can be right there with
0: Jim and run well. Where can people follow you on social media? I do want to talk about the film just for a few minutes, but yeah, I want to make sure they're following you on, on whatever social media you have. Sure. Um,
1: yeah, so my Instagram is mattdaniels480, um, and then it's the same with Twitter and, and Facebook and Strava. So, um, And if you ever want to reach me by email with any questions or anything, um, it's mattdaniels480 at gmail.com, too. So.
0: In, and if they're interested in coaching, do you still have oh, yeah. openings available?
1: Yep. Yeah, always taking on um, new athletes, and
0: uh, yeah, I'd love to work with anybody. Just shoot me an email, and uh, we can talk. So, just for the listeners' background, I mean, Matt's been super nice. You know, we spent hours together getting film put together, making sure the story is coming, you know, coming together, and and hopefully, I can capture Western States as well as possible. Um, I don't want you to slow down so that I can capture more. Um, I mean, I'm gonna basically not talk to you while we're out on the course. Like, I don't influence you positively or negatively. I wanna be, you know, fly on the wall just capturing it, which I think I can do. Um, My big concern is if something bad were to happen and I'm out there, like, having to just keep the film rolling, I mean, because um, we'll see the lows. Oh yeah. Um, we'll see <laughs> highs, and uh, hopefully not too many of both. But um, I mean, what are
1: your thoughts? Are you yeah. excited about this film? No, I, I love it. I'm I'm super excited. I think um, if you can capture as much raw footage of what running a hundred miler is all about, I think that that's that's where it's at. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of films that. You can watch on YouTube about um, people racing races and stuff, and a lot of stuff's cut out, but um, I think it'd be really cool for, for viewers to see, you know, what, what running Western States 100 uh, entails and is all about. Um, just don't get any clips of me wiping my ass if I'm you know, <laughs> on the side of the trail or something. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be
0: a 14-and-a-half-hour film, so uh, and that's, that's not including the intro and extra. Um How do you feel about that track at the end? Do you feel like you're going to, like, what, what thoughts will go through your head, regardless of how your race went, whether you're winning it or, or just squeaking by 30 hours? I mean, what you, what are your thoughts? Like, are you excited for that track, apprehensive, like, because it's yeah. the end or what? Yeah, I think it's cool. Like, it, it,
1: it kind of comes full circle with my running career. Like, I got a start on the track, and um, not to say that this is the end of my running career by any means, but, um, you know it'll be really neat finishing a 100-mile race around a track. I mean, that's 99 more miles than my first race I ever ran. And so um, it'll, be, it'll be a really cool um, experience and feeling. And, of course, it's at the end of 100, so it's going to be great to, to, to
0: see that track and finish there. Well, I'll do my best capturing it. I appreciate all your time throughout this process. Um, just really excited for you. And I, I like the fact that you're looking at the long-term picture you're not looking at this as your only hundred mile of your career. This is just one of many. Um, hopefully, a lot of Western states or whatever race you end up, maybe you end up liking UTMB or yeah, you know maybe. a more mountainous race um, more. But for now, I, I'm just really excited for you, and I'll do my best to capture it. And I mean, my last mention is if the listener knows of anyone that's ever run below a four minute mile. And, and how do we describe this, to the listener? Because we've gone back and forth. I've talked to countless people trying to figure out: is Matt the only person to ever do this? Because there's been other other people like uh, Kyle Katari running like a mass downhill effort, mm-hmm. um, and I think I think he went below four. He did. Mm-hmm. But we're talking like a legit. Yeah, maybe official, a certified mile on it, the track. A, a certified mile track. I would say so. If anyone knows anyone that has, um, you know, taken a competitive stance on states and done that, let me know. I can't find anyone, but the records are are hard to get a hold of. So um, I'm pretty confident at this point that Matt is the very first to do this. And yeah, just appreciate your time. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me on. With that. Really looking forward to go and what's about. Awesome. Thanks. Feel free to check out my new audiobook, Training for Ultra is now on Audible. Thank you to the podcast supporters, Hammer Nutrition, Suffer Fest Beer, Exoskin, Ultimate Direction, Destination Trail, and of course my Patreon friends. Thanks for the support. And don't forget to check out that race recap video Mudfest. But check it out. Subscribe on YouTube. Really appreciate you guys checking it out. Don't forget to enjoy your training.